Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen. It is Tuesday, May 16th, and I am pleased to welcome SeniorFool.com contributor Adam Levine Weinberg to the show. Uh, Adam, really excited to have you in studio today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me in. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the show today. So, Adam, you have been covering department stores for some time now. I have. And with so many of them reporting earnings in the past week, I wanted to welcome you, you know, our resident expert on this space, to share your thoughts on some of the specific company results and also the broad trends that seem to be playing out for this kind of beaten up corner of the retail world. And case in point, I think among the major companies reporting, Market reaction to the results has been pretty ugly so far. Uh, I see here Macy's down about 21% uh, since the results came out. Kohl's 8% for theirs. JCPenney 18%. Nordstrom 10%. Uh, Dillard's 18%. And just this morning, the latest results from TGX companies were greeted by a 5% decline so far in just the first couple of hours of trading. So to kick things off, um, I I asked this of Asset too when based on the Coach Kate Spade deal, you mm-hmm. know, just what his first impressions were in terms of your big some of your big picture takeaways, your first impressions of uh, this kind of flurry of results that we've seen from these various competitors in the space. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so what I would say is that this was definitely a bad quarter for department stores and for uh, retailers, especially in the fashion space in general. Um, some of that has to do with some long-running trends, um, secular declines in the department store space. And obviously, the one that people talk about the most is Amazon. Um, Amazon obviously is still growing at a uh, really rapid rate. They're really just scratching the surface at this point in terms of um, apparel sales and other categories that are important to department stores. And so, as Amazon continues to grow, improve its offerings in that area, um, there's definitely more, more trouble to come for department stores. On the other hand, there were also some short-term factors that were particularly uh, making it hard for department stores to generate decent sales performances this quarter. And so, what's really important is to try to tease out how much of this is an issue of long-term decline, and how much of it is actually just short-term problems that, within an, a quarter or a year, are going to go away, or at least um, become much less of an of an issue. Sure thing. Yeah, one one short term, uh, I guess, factor that's played into this recent quarter's results. I thought was kind of amusing. I've seen a few different companies uh, bring it up. Some analysts bring it up. It was the idea of uh, the tax returns this year yeah. and some of the delayed payments and how that uh, some companies actually saw on a month to month basis. You know, February results week being weaker, but then. Uh, Going later into the season, more people have their refunds. March numbers, April numbers seem to have recovered from that. A really interesting look. Sometimes I think a lot of companies in the space do will talk about weather. Uh, we had a few years, for example, where uh, you know the winter weather was unseasonably mm-hmm. warm, affected them. So it's always interesting to watch how some of these factor or these factors can impact uh, you know their short term, you know, one quarter of performance, maybe two quarters of performance as they work through inventory things like that. But uh, you know, I think towards the end of the show, we'll really hone in on some of the longer-term uh, takeaways that you've seen, and maybe some of the companies that you think are, are kind of positioned best to come away from this the shakeup that's happening uh, in this space. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, moving on to some of the specifics, I guess um, a lot of these companies have seen, um, you know, 
comparable sales declines, uh, revenue declines, uh, some cost-cutting measures, and um, you know store closings and other uh, you know re- reorganizations and asset sales have helped them boost their bottom lines. But what are we see- what are we seeing for these companies uh, in terms of their you know core key headline results? Yeah. So uh, across the sector, if you look at the major department store uh, chains last quarter. Low to mid single digit comparable store sales declines were pretty much the norm um, across the board. You look at Macy's, comp sales were down 4.6%. Kohl's, it was down 2.7%. You had down 3.5% at JCPenney, down 4% at Dillard's. Um, And then at Nordstrom, if you uh, slice out the rack, which is their off price chain, and you just look at their full line um, comp store sales, uh, they were down 2.3% in that part of their business. So, all in that sort of down 2 to down 5% range. Um, the only real exception so far is Sears, um, which hasn't officially reported their results yet, but Sears has really been uh, struggling mightily um, and losing its relevance pretty quickly. And so, through late April, they had already seen an 11.9% uh, year-over-year decline in their comp sales. So, barring a huge change in the last week of April, they're on pace to have a double-digit decline. So pretty bad results on the um, sales front, mm-hmm. and and in many cases these companies are closing stores, so the total sales are declining at even at an even faster rate than the comp sales declines. On the other hand, if you actually look at the earnings results, surprisingly good for many of these companies. Um, Macy's is the only one where you really saw an earnings wipeout last quarter. Um, Macy's reported that its adjusted earnings per share was down about forty percent year over year. So clearly. That's a big. That was a big miss, and that's why uh, Macy's was one of the hardest hit companies um, after the earnings reports mm-hmm. last week. On the other hand, if you look at Nordstrom, Nordstrom reported EPS up 19% year over year. Um, you look at Dillard's, it was down about 2% year over year. So down, but not not disastrous in any way, shape, or form. Sure. Um, Kohl's was up 26%. So that was actually the biggest gain. Um, and that's why Kohl's stock you know, only declined about 8 to 10% as opposed to 20% for a lot of these other companies. Um, JCPenney, uh, its numbers weren't very easy to compare. They had a big asset sale gain uh, last quarter. Sure. If you include the asset sale gain, they actually posted um, positive adjusted earnings per share compared to a big loss a year ago. If you take out that gain, um, they still were a little bit better on a year-over-year basis in terms of their their core profitability. So overall, what you see is that these department stores huge sales problems, um, and at Macy's that did translate into a big earnings decline. But many of these companies um, actually improved their their earnings results or basically held the line. Um, there's a few reasons for that. First of all, last year in the first quarter was just as bad in terms of. Um, you know, bad weather in terms of the timing of, of when it got warm and when it was cold. Sure. Um, inventory mismatches. You know, a lot of these stores weren't expecting sales to be so bad a year ago, and so they just ca- got caught with too much inventory. Had to take a lot of markdowns. If you look at the results this year, you both saw cost cutting where they were taking operating expenses out in many of these companies, and then also gross margin improvements, which really speaks to the improved inventory management. So for a department store, if you obviously you would love to have sales growing, but at least if you 
expect sales to be declining, you can take the proactive inventory uh, management steps in advance so that you're not stuck with too much uh, on your shelves, and you can at least get a better margin on what you are selling. Yeah, in turn, obviously, uh, the things that you have a hard time moving through, getting out of your inventory, you have to sell at a discount yeah. or through promotions, and that obviously hurts your profitability and your margins. Yeah, yeah, it's really the clearance, um, you know, part of you know all these department stores have some amount of promotionality to their mm-hmm. business models. They're used to marking things down 50%, 60%. That's okay. It's when they get into clearance and they have to start marking stuff down 70 and 80% because they just need to get rid of it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's part of a collection of winter clothing and now it's getting into late March like they just have to sell it for whatever um, you know, however low they have to go to get rid of the the merchandise because they just can't afford to hold on to it um, for another year. Okay, well if it's okay with you. I'd like to hone in on um, Macy's a little bit, if yeah. that's possible, just because um, it seems like uh, you mentioned that, you know they had their earnings wipe out, uh, hit particularly hard. But I also think uh, they're in a really dynamic situation uh, in that uh, a lot of people talk about, and this is kind of was a similar story with Sears for some time before really things started spiraling down the drain into real estate, really valuable mm-hmm. companies undervalued just on that basis alone. Um, what are the, some of the things that Macy's is doing, I guess, to try and address this weakness? And in general, uh, you know, what are you seeing on that on that side in terms of what they're doing with the real estate? How are they utilizing it? How are they approaching the sales and things along those lines? Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the real estate, and then I'll I'll sure. look at some of the other uh, things that they're that they're doing to try to rebuild their core business. So, on on the real estate specifically, um, about a year or two ago. They were in a in a bit of a fight with an activist investor that has since sold out um, and and decided to pursue other prospects. But anyway, th- these activist investors wanted Macy's to spin off their real estate. Um, they estimated that the value of the real estate was more than twenty billion dollars, uh, and thought that you know Macy's could should try to put it into a real estate investment trust, somehow split up the company where you'd have a real estate company on the one hand and then a retail company on the other hand, and that that would uh, make the company's valuation go up. Macy's didn't agree with the um, thought that it'd be tax problems, and also just didn't agree with the logic of of how this would create value for shareholders. Mm-hmm. What they decided to do instead is what they're really focusing on: where do we have real estate where we're not utilizing it effectively and actually getting value out of it? And that's where they're looking to uh, either sell off or, in some other way, monetize real estate. So I'll just give a few examples of things that they're doing. Um, one thing that they uh, have been trying to do is. Take stores where they're just not—they're um, not necessarily losing money, but they're not making a lot of money, and they sit on very valuable real estate and just selling those store properties and closing the store. So um, some places where they've done that recently are in downtown Portland, uh, in downtown Minneapolis—you um, know, big, big flagship store buildings um, that they just decided the stores aren't profitable enough anymore. These aren't vibrant shopping environments. We're going to close the store. Um, and those two combined brought in more than $100 million. Um, they're also um, selling off some mall-based stores to the mall owners. Uh, General Growth Properties has bought several Macy's stores. Um, and including all of those together, that's brought in more than $100 million. Mm-hmm. Um, in San Francisco, Macy's for many years has operated uh, a very large flagship store that's um, close to a million square feet, but then also a separate men's store which is a quarter of a million square feet. They sold that men's building for $250 million. Um, and over the next two to three years, they're going to take all that inventory, move it into the main store, um, which is still a very, very large store, one of the biggest in its system, 
um, and they think they'll be able to capture most of the sales, um, maybe even do better because everybody will be in the same building. Um, but they've also just gotten a, a windfall of $250 million. So that's one aspect of what they're yeah, doing. I'm really glad that you brought up that example, too, in San Francisco. Uh, you know, I was there a few weeks ago in Union Square, mm-hmm. obviously, huge uh, shopping area, very attractive, tons of traffic in general, because you know, that is like the shopping central area of the city. And I could not believe the size of these Macy's stores yeah. that they had They're separately massive. right next to each other um, and you know you could see that the men's store was closed there's construction around it uh, you know as they're starting to move things in as you mentioned but I could not believe that they're operating these separately and it makes a lot of sense to bring them under one roof and you know it's hard to argue with the 250 million dollars in proceeds yeah. that they get from selling that space yeah and if you actually look another thing that they're doing in San Francisco in particular is um, they're working on a plan to carve out about 10,000 square feet of space uh, on one side of the first floor in that main building and renting it out to luxury retailers that maybe wouldn't sell their product in Macy's, but they'll take space on, you know, on you know, one of the busiest shopping streets in the city. Um, some of the retail rents there have been astronomically high, so that just carving out um, this 10,000 square feet of space, that could bring in something like $6 million of annual rent um, for years on end. So mm-hmm. that's like a really nice way to, one, you get the rent, which is nice, it boosts the bottom line. But hopefully, it also gets people in who might not otherwise come to Macy's. And once they're in these little shops in the front of Macy's, they'll walk into the bigger store, and you know maybe they'll see a purchase uh, lift, that they want and to lift make. their general foot traffic. Yeah, overall. exactly. Um, another thing that Macy's has been doing on the real estate front is they're working on a plan with uh, Brookfield Asset Management to uh, redevelop in some way about 50 uh, store sites. Um, in many cases, they would keep the store uh, that's already there, but Oftentimes, Macy's owns not only the store, but a, a large parking lot area or some or just vacant space that's not being used. And so, it's possible to um, densify development on these parcels. And so, you know, maybe they'll put a restaurant in an out parcel in, in what's currently a parking lot. In some cases, they could build a mid-rise condo development. There's a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Um, real estate where the Macy's store would probably benefit if you you know if you brought res- residences in. That's been a really big trend recently to have these kind of town center environments where you've got mixed use developments, retail, commercial, office space, um, and and residential all in, in one place. Kind and of like so, a town center model. Yeah, exactly. And and so it could not only give Macy's the proceeds up front from selling off this land or or you know building a building and then selling it, but then you also potentially have a more vibrant shopping environment which helps the store for many, many years to come. So there's a lot of things that Macy's is doing in terms of its real estate. Um, the one last thing I'd mention is that they've got a couple of big flagship stores in Chicago and New York. Um, the Chicago flagship is probably worth hundreds of millions of dollars at least. The New York one has been valued at billions of dollars. So these uh, are really valuable massive properties. Massive space in a very, uh, you know, in that neighborhood too, I can imagine. Yeah, they're not valuable. they're not closing those stores, but they're gonna um, probably lop off a bunch of space at the top um, and re, uh, redevelop it in some way as either office space or maybe even residential or hotel in some cases. Um, and so that is another thing that could bring in a lot of money over the next you know two to three years probably. Sure. All right. Well, let's move on then. Um, I guess to some of the the things that are driving uh, some of those top line declines and those weaker comparable store sales that we, yeah. that you were talking about previously. Um, I guess the ultimate question is, you know, for people who are investing in these companies or, or maybe seeing these low prices now and they're trying to better understand, uh, you know, what I guess the headwinds are. What why are why are the fails or the sales? Excuse me, falling so much and 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 what's the outlook for that? I guess. Yeah. So. 
As I mentioned before, um, Amazon.com and other e-commerce retailers definitely taking a bite out of the department store mm-hmm. space, um, and that's something which has gotten a lot of press attention, um, and rightfully so. And that's something that's not going away. Um, you've also seen uh, off-price retailers, and TJX in particular um, is the, the big one, but you've also got places like Ross stores. And, and I should also mention for our, our listeners and viewers, TJX is the um, parent company. It owns brands like TJ Maxx. Marshalls and Home Goods, mm-hmm. um, and it a couple of years ago surpassed Macy's as the biggest sort of apparel uh, retail chain in the country. So those definitely are serious long-term challenges, and they're um, going to to create some top-line challenges for department stores for the foreseeable future. Um, it's hard to know just how much that's hurting department store sales, though. You know, if you think that if the economy is growing at two percent, you'd expect department store sales to grow at two percent. Um, are they taking 2% off that and just making it so that department stores would be flat? Are they taking 4%? It's hard to really be sure. And to quantify uh, exactly. And yeah, quantify exactly what the, you know, how much you should expect that share shift to hurt department stores. Um, but what we can be pretty sure of is that there are, there are certain temporary factors that are also impacting department stores right now, that, and those factors are going to, to change, dissipate, at least to some extent. So the one that you mentioned before was the, the tax refunds. So mm-hmm. So, to be fair, I'm not sure whether that's a good excuse because if people didn't get their tax returns in February, that explains why sales were down so much in February. But then, why didn't you get those sales back in March when the tax refunds did come out? It doesn't. Sure. It doesn't entirely make sense because most of those refunds that got lost in February still came during that first quarter period. You know, you could say, well, maybe if you get a tax refund on February 10th, you're going to go out and get a nice Valentine's Day present. Um, for your significant other, and if you get one in in on March 10th, you're not going to go get a nice St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and you know, the way gift. some of these and so like you're missing mesh. like a big a big mm-hmm. holiday event um, where they you know they're just not you know basically if you get the refund in March, maybe that means people save it. Um, so it's possible, but but it's definitely not a very good explanation for for um, why February was so bad. Um, the another issue that was definitely uh, a problem is there's particular categories that aren't doing well. Um, and so, one of those um, that's really been a problem for quite a while now is handbags. Um, a few years ago, brands like Michael Kors just were really, really popular. Um, and you've seen um, that these brands, because they became so popular, so many people bought their their products, um, they've become commoditized. Mm-hmm. And now nobody wants them, or not nobody wants them, but but people aren't willing to pay a premium, and and you either have to mark it down to a ridiculous um, price, or you can't sell it at all. And so now these brands that we're driving huge growth a couple of years ago, are seeing huge sales declines. It's really hard to overcome that. Yeah, we talked about that last week too in terms of the Coach Kate Spade mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, you know, the, one of the big challenges that Coach ran into, and this applies to Michael Kors as well, and uh, you know the other com- uh, competitors in that like mid-range luxury category, is the fact that they became so common, so commonplace, commoditized. As you, as you said, they lose some of that kind of aspirational. Value that consumers often want when kind of stepping up a tier into that yeah. level of luxury goods. Um, so not surprised at all. And you know, all these companies it seems are kind of taking steps to reduce the discounts to up the price, uh, yeah. the price ranges to to restore some of that brand value that they lost uh, in the years of growth that they were pursuing. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be good for these companies in the long run, but in the short term, it means you you have to give up sales because you you need to raise the prices and and give up sales from people who only want to buy the bag if it's really discounted. Um, one other tidbit I'd, I'd mention is that Macy's said that women's apparel was actually its strongest um, product category 
last quarter. Um, and they said the same thing actually a quarter earlier. And so that sort of cuts against this um, narrative that apparel sales are all moving online and that's going to all go to Amazon and it's going to kill department stores. It's actually not really been the apparel at a lot of these companies. Um, we might talk a little later about JCPenney. They are having some apparel issues there. But for most of these companies, apparel is not actually the biggest problem. It's, uh, it's some of these other um, important categories like accessories, um, cosmetics, where they've been having more um, more sales pressure recently. Um, the one other sort of temporary factor that really impacted department stores last quarter was all of these store closures. In the long run, store closures are are definitely a positive for the sector because everybody recognizes right now that there's too much retail space in the U.S. It's vastly more per capita than any other country in the world, um, and so. Just quite frankly, stores need to close, especially when you've got more and more business moving online. However, um, in the short term, the store closures are not uh, not good for department stores' results because you end up competing with clearance sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if Macy's has 700 stores um, in a particular market, you know, you know, metro area, it's got 10 stores and it's closing two of them. Um, you're going to see sales trends uh, decline at the other eight because you can go and get great deals at the two that are closing, and so. Now that the stores are closed, I think we'll see better results um, going forward. You know, starting in the second quarter, they've gone um, through but, the pain, right, right, of closing the stores. Hopefully, longer term, that yeah. they see the benefits. Now, as to well. be fair, there probably will be more store closures in the future. But sure. um, this was a particularly big quarter for store closures, so you saw a particularly big impact um, from that um, j- just in the past three months. Okay, we have a few more minutes here, and uh, I want to. Look at this and kind of provide some final takeaways, I guess, yeah. for the the listeners uh, who are looking um, looking at these companies, uh, whether they hold them in their portfolio, uh, see the potential bargains there. Um, we've heard a lot of, I guess, the the negative aspect or the 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 bearish tune of what's affecting these department stores. Just in your view, though, you know. You mentioned the, how the store closures is good for the long term. Are there other tailwinds that investors in these companies or the, these management teams can look forward to that might at least give some people uh, who are following this space like, oh, you know what, that's something to to be positive or optimistic about at least. Yeah. So there's a few things that I, I'd mention in this um, this respect. So the the first is that. Um, department stores are actually pretty early in the process of responding to the recent um, change in their sales trends. Um, on the one hand, department stores are are very sl- slow moving historically, uh, and that's definitely a bad thing. Um, it's th- this is not the first time that they've been caught flat footed by some change in industry sales trends. On the other hand, what that also means is that they're working on it now, um, and and so there's a chance that things will get better. And so just a few of the major things that they've been doing recently, um, sort of big big trends are. Um, at Macy's and JCPenney, they're moving to open cell uh, environments for shoes. So rather than having to um, go get a salesperson to go into the back, get you a shoe box, you know, with the, the size that you want, you try it on, it doesn't fit, they have to go back again, get you a different different size, different color. Um, they'll have all the shoe boxes out on the floor. You can try it on yourself. It's cheaper for them because they don't need as much staff. Um, it's an easier, um, you know, faster experience for you. Um, People are used to this now. You know, if you go into DSW, you know nobody's going into the back to get you a pair of shoes. No, absolutely not. And so, and so, you know, it's just one of those things where 20 years ago, like this would have been unthinkable for a department store to make you get your own shoes. Now, like that's what customers want in many cases, and so that's what they're going to do. Um, 
there's an increasing focus on uniqueness across the board. And, you know, Macy's has talked about this a lot in the past couple of quarters. Um, they signed an exclusive deal with DKNY for uh, women's apparel um, starting next February. Um, Kohl's um, just started a big partnership with Under Armour a few months ago, um, bringing in Under Armour apparel. Um, you're seeing the same things um, at pretty much every department store. They're trying to find a few things that are unique about them that will drive traffic. You know, J.C. Penney has its Sephora shops um, for cosmetics. They've been doing extremely well. Well, J.C. Penney too. I think uh, you know, I'm glad you brought them up just yeah. so we could dive into because they've really taken some really. Dra- I think they're really. Uh, Making some big changes, jumping and expanding into other product product yeah. categories, and this may be something uh, that kind of presents uh, a big opportunity for them going forward. To, you know, as they test this, can you tell us a little bit about the appliances and these, uh, you know, these other shop and shops that they're kind of expanding yeah. to. Yeah. So, so I think that for what you're seeing for J.C. Penney is is one, they are um, they are being very strategic in looking at. Um, where Sears gets a lot of revenue and where they can take revenue away from Sears, because <laughs> because Sears is closing tons of stores, um, they're definitely at a risk for bankruptcy in the next several years, um, and so there's definitely sales that are basically you know sales share that's being donated to other companies, and so um, appliances is one area where J.C. Penney said, look, we we have a lot of people actually going onto our website searching for a refrigerator. And we don't sell refrigerators, so maybe we should. People want to buy a refrigerator, apparently, from us. And so they've put appliance um, shops last year, they put it into about half of their stores. Um, by the end of this year, it's going to be at, in at least two thirds, if not more, of their stores. And so um, they see this as being a really um, big sales driver going forward. Uh, they've got other categories where they're doing uh, similar things. They're, they're testing out new furniture and mattress displays. Um, they brought, you know, started a partnership with Ashley Furniture, which is really big furniture manufacturer. Um, they're testing flooring, um, in-home custom windows, all kinds of different areas where they think they can uh, can get some some sales share, particularly in the home section of the store, sure. where they actually used to be really good and they struggled a little bit um, when Ron Johnson came in as CEO about five years ago. So they're trying to rebuild that strength, um, especially because a lot of uh, consumer dollars are going to home improvement right now. They see that as being a really um, big sales driver, and then you've got this, this secondary benefit of if Sears goes bust, there's potentially a lot of sales on the table in this in this area. Okay, um, last couple of minutes here. Uh, I want to touch on some numbers in terms of valuation yeah. and other things that I think do ultimately, despite some of the headwinds that they face, make these companies pretty attractive. And is um, so in terms of valuations, obviously with. The, the way these stocks have reformed, they're getting into what I would even consider bargain territory. Yeah. And then combine that with the yields that some of them pay, uh, Nordstrom, uh, Macy's, uh, Kohl's, their yields, I think, range from about 3.5 to as high as 6.5%. is pretty impressive. Is there an issue, though, in that regard, at least, in terms of whether those payments are sustainable? Um, you know, Are they getting stretched thin in ter- as their businesses, mm-hmm. at, at least currently, are, are, are weaker in terms of being able to maintain those payouts? Yeah, so Macy's, um, as you mentioned, is, is up at the top of that list with a now a 6.5% yield. Yep. Um, and that's a stock that I own. Um, it's a stock that I think has been... Um, Understandably punished, um, but I, I do think that investors are kind of missing the point somewhat. Um, the the company is not really getting credit yet for its real estate moves. Um, it's been very transparent that this is going to take some time. You know, mm-hmm. there you know you could sell all the real estate in a year if you wanted to. You would just have to take a big discount for it. So that doesn't make sense. It makes sense to uh, take the time, 
work through some plans. In the next two or three years, you're going to see a lot more value um, from the real estate. And at the same time, they they are working on a lot of different um, initiatives to improve their sales results. Uh, I don't expect them to ever return to strong sales growth, but I think that they will be able to stabilize their sales in the next year or two. Um, and when that happens, you could see the stock um, really improve. Even with the the yield up at six and a half percent, their free cash flow um, is quite strong. It's about um, two times the dividend payments. So um, there's an, a pretty big cushion there to support mm-hmm. the dividend. And and Macy's is also investing quite heavily. They're spending about nine hundred million dollars a year on on capex, um, which is uh, you know three to four percent of their annual revenue, um, more than some of their competitors. And there there's definitely they're investing in in things that if they if it turns out these investments aren't working, they could definitely cut back there, um, and that would be another way to um, free up more cash flow to support this dividend. So, so I see that dividend um, at Macy's, and you could say the same, say the same thing about Kohl's, um, Nordstrom. They're all really yeah, pretty sustainable, um, and so that's um, that's definitely a, a an opportunity uh, for investors going forward, because I think that if you if you look at a few years. Department stores aren't going to be uh, healthy per se, but they um, they're more stable than people seem to realize right now. And so there's actually some some pretty big opportunities right now um, if you're patient to pick up department store stocks at a discount, collect the dividend, um, and uh, and as things sort of settle down in the next couple of years, um, these valuations could improve to a more sort of normalized level like they they were six months or a year ago. Um, last point. Do you have a favorite? Yeah, so I would say that Macy's actually is my favorite um, because the if you look at the real estate value, um, it's pretty much after the recent um, stock decline enough to completely cover the value of of all of the company's debt, all of the company's um, stock, and so even if the real estate, um, even if the retail business rather gets worse over time. Um, that real estate is a real kind of uh, floor value for the stock. Now, obviously, that could change. The real estate value could change based on economic conditions, sure. um, things like that. Um, but it definitely um, gives you some risk reduction. And I also think that the company's scale, it's as as the biggest department store out there, will help it in the long run to survive. Um, and if if industry conditions do get worse, I think that they could actually benefit from some bankruptcies amongst other retailers that aren't in as good shape as Macy's. And they should be best able to weather that storm. Right? Yeah, that's what I think. Okay, well, thanks again, Adam, for joining us. Uh, and thank you, Fools, for tuning in. Uh, you can reach out to the entire Industry Focus team via Twitter at MF Industry Focus or send any questions to industryfocus at fool.com. And don't forget to check out podcast at fool.com to hear all the Molly Fools different shows. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Molly Fool may have four more recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Fool on.